Now, uh, Jonah part two. So last week we looked at Jonah and how he, uh, at the end, reluctantly uh, went to Nineveh and spoke, how many words was it? Eight words, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Eight words for a whole city to repent, a Gentile city, that is. And yet he was angry with God when God overturned his judgment. Now, fast forward about 100, 150 years. If Jonah was still alive, he would have been buddy buddies with Nahum. He would have loved him. Why? Because the prophecy is about Nineveh again. Uh, this time it's against Nineveh. Now, quite interestingly, if we want to get the most out of these so-called minor prophets, they all have, most of them had some things in common. The first thing we need to work out is what their names mean, because when you find out what their names mean, you, we can generally pick out a little bit of what they want to talk about, what their message is about. So Micah, who is like Jehovah, what's his message, well, mainly about at the start and at the end, who is like Jehovah? Nahum, his name means comfort. Now, his message was a message of some sort of a comfort to Israel uh, because it spoke about the uh, overthrowing of their enemies, uh, Nineveh. Now, one other thing that most of these prophets had something in common is they had visions. Now, not all of them had visions. Jonah definitely didn't have a vision. He had the word of God coming to him. So those who didn't have visions had the word of God coming to them, and that's that's sufficient. Yet God worked in those uh, prophets uh, through visions as well. So Nahum opens up with uh, the burden of Nineveh. Uh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. So again, another thing that we see common in some of these prophets is sometimes we have a background on them. Now, Nahum unfortunately doesn't have a whole lot of background except that he was a uh, Elkishite. Uh, it's not said that he was a priest. It's not even said that he was a prophet, uh, but he was a prophet because uh, definitely the word of God came to him and uh, he, he saw something, he, he had a vision. And so uh, most of these prophets, uh, they either have visions or God speaks to them uh, and they have background. So uh, some of these prophets were also priests, Ezekiel, for example. Some of these prophets were farmers, Amos, for example, uh, and other prophets had different types of occupations. Uh, but when we come to prophets like Nahum, there's no occupation mentioned and nothing about his background mentioned. Now, the other interesting thing is that uh, Nahum doesn't really speak mainly to Israel or Judah as such, uh, but he does give them the message of comfort that their enemies will be overthrown. Uh, so Nahum was one of the very few prophets uh, whose prophecies was not directly, at least, about uh, Israel and Judah. So Jonah was the other prophet um, uh, that his prophecies are not directly about uh, Israel or Judah. Uh, most of the other minor prophets, 
uh, they are about Israel and or Judah. Now, I've read something interesting uh, that, you know, in the order of these minor prophets, uh, that each of these prophets overlap with their messages uh, to Israel and to Judah. So, for example, Hosea, his message was mainly about Israel. Uh, Jonah, well, Judah's enemies were Nineveh. Sorry, Joel, Joel's next, Hosea Joel, yeah. His uh, message was mainly for Judah, uh, Amos, Israel, and so on. So it's something interesting that I read that these uh, minor prophets do overlap um, uh, about their messages. Now, uh, I don't know who put these minor prophets together, but uh, sometimes they may not be in chronological order, in date history order, but whoever put these together in the order that we have it uh, definitely had something in mind. Uh, for us. So I'm not sure what the exact answer to that is. Uh, maybe it's some research for all of us to do. Now, I'm going to share a screen. Can you all see this? Okay. So Nahum, 47 verses, fairly short read. In fact, it's shorter than uh, some of our longer chapters in the Word of God. So again, to get a benefit out of a book like this, I've uh, gone over some, you know, five things that we at school um, had learned about what we need to look for in a book. So these five uh, things or five words begin with the letters WH. So who, what, where, when, and why. Now, the double underline for why is you because usually that's perhaps the most difficult or tricky uh, part uh, to work out. Why was such a book written uh, in the Word of God? Uh, why was it written that we believers uh, have to read it or have to look into it? One of the other benefits that we get if you really want to get a benefit out of these um, uh, minor prophets is look for Christ in those books and look for references to the New Testament uh, in each of these books. You'll be very, well, enlightened, maybe surprised, that when you read, the, as you read the New Testament, you'll go come back to references from these Old Testament books and you'll say, oh, that's in Micah. Oh, that's in Nahum. Well, it's there for a purpose. And so we can't skip over all these books and then get to the New Testament because we won't understand where those quotes are coming from. Now, one outstanding quotation in the New Testament uh, relating to Nahum, remember a verse in Romans 10? Behold, the feet of those who preach the glad tidings of peace. How beautiful are the feet of those um, who preach the glad tidings. So that's, uh, that's in Nahum. And that obviously speaks about the Lord when he came to earth. He preached the glad tidings of peace to the people. So we come to who. When we ask the question who, uh, who wrote the book, and who are the main characters uh, that are in the book um, and who, basically who this book is about. So, Nahum, for he said, means 
comfort. So it's generally believed that Nahum uh, would have written uh, the prophecy. Uh, now, who is the prophecy about? Nineveh, which is modern-day Iraq that we know today. Now, Nineveh back at that time was the capital of another empire that had taken Israel captive. That's the Assyrian Empire. So uh, the message against them was because, uh, yes, they did fulfill God's purpose in uh, taking Israel captive, but as Gentile enemies, obviously they abused their privilege and they abused uh, what God had uh, uh, ordained them uh, to do. And so God's message is that, you know, Nineveh is definitely going to be overthrown. His message uh, there was, you know, 100 or 150 years before, but because the city repented, um, we can say, you know, they were good people um, who came to their senses and repented. God did not overthrow them at that time, but he still had his governmental purpose and his decision was that still they would be overthrown. Now, come the 100, 150 years later, there's always this, you know, other generation that doesn't know God, that doesn't know the previous prophets, that doesn't know what their previous people had done, and they treat the people of God uh, very evil. Remember Pharaoh in Exodus? That was another generation that arose, and they did not know God. Uh, likewise, a generation of the Hebrews, when they arose and when they uh, uh, dwelt in Egypt, they didn't know how God worked through Joseph. So you get this throughout Scripture, that generations arise that don't know God, probably don't care to know about him and treat his people uh, evilly and uh, in a bad way. And so that's uh, who this prophecy relates to. And uh, that's why God is going to overthrow Nineveh, just like he overthrew Pharaoh in Egypt at the time of Moses. Now, what is the second uh, uh, part? So what is this book about? So is it a prophecy? Yes, it is. What's it about? Well, the burden of Nineveh. So it's a burden. Now, some of these other minor prophets, their prophecies were burdens as well. Malachi, at the very end, I'm sure we're going to find out about that in uh, coming weeks, the burden of the word of the Lord. So uh, these are things that we need to look out for and some highlights that we need to pick out about um, what, what certain books are about. So uh, at is about the overthrow of Nineveh, God, the enemies of God's people. Uh, now, the why, why is Nineveh going to be overthrown? We're going to uh, come to that in uh, this section about why. Where? Where was a book written? Or, yeah, where was a prophecy uh, mentioned or said? Well, Again, uh, some of these books, it's a little tricky to really pick out exactly where uh, these events occurred or where uh, the book was written, uh, but the place definitely where uh, Nineveh, again. Uh, but 
in terms of Nineveh, God had uh, the tribe or nation of mainly Judah. In mind, I spelt Judah wrongly. Judah. He had Judah in mind. They were basically enemies of Israel slash Judah. And so uh, that's where we can get the idea where where it was written. Um, well, that's debatable. Um, there's the, you know, uh, arguments, debates about where books like this are written. Uh, when? Well, it was, again, pretty much 100 to 150 years after Jonah. Now, uh, why was it written? Now, usually these prophets uh, speak to hearts of the people. That was mainly their job, to speak to their hearts and consciences and uh, get them to repent and come back to God. So that's one of the main objectives as to why a prophecy was written. Perhaps the other objective as to why a prophecy was written is show God's mercy and his hand in judgment and restoration. Now, the perhaps another reason why these prophecies were written uh, is to show Israel and Judah um, that they've gone wrong, where they've gone wrong, uh, to warn them that God will judge the nation, but to also look at the future. Uh, at the future restoration of the nation. God will definitely bring the nation of Israel back and uh, they will be blessed as an earthly people. Um, They will be blessed on earth. Now, Nahum. So Christ, um, we see, is the one who brings glad tidings uh, to the people. Um, And when the Apostle Paul quoted this verse in Romans, um, we learned that uh, the strength of God in his judgment on those who reject Christ and also the strength of his protection for those who uh, believe in him and accept him. Now, the other very interesting thing on Nahum is it closes with somewhat of a similar style to Jonah. Remember the end of Jonah when God was talking to Jonah and, in fact, the uh, last Uh, verse of Jonah ends with God asking a question to Jonah uh, because Jonah was uh, angry with him. So in Jonah, God asks a question to Jonah. Nahum also ends with a question. So in chapter 3 of Nahum, uh, it ends with a a question. Um, So in verse 19, there is no healing of thy breach. Thy wound is grievous, all that hear the report of thee, clap their hands over thee. For upon whom hath not thy wickedness passed continually? So this is probably the prophet speaking uh, in this and the prophet asking the question rather than God himself asking the question to the prophet. So we can also see some, we can see some similarity uh, between uh, Jonah and Nahum. Now, The book of Nahum can be divided into three parts. So three parts are equally divided into the three chapters that we have. 
and they all speak about Nineveh. So chapter one uh, shows the purpose of God in dealing with the oppressor or the enemy of Israel. In this instance, it's Nineveh. And the chapter also shows that God is righteous in his judgments. Chapter two describes the overthrowing and the destruction of Nineveh. So um, there's descriptions uh, that judgment is executed and um, that it's uh, the city is overthrown. Chapter 3 uh, tells us the reason for the judgment, why Nineveh is going to be judged, and destruction of Nineveh as a city was guilty before God. So they were guilty at the time of Jonah as well. There's no question on that, but they'd repented. Now, God shows that he is merciful to those who repent uh, and realize their guilt before him, even a whole city that repents, we've seen that God has shown his mercy and grace. Yet God is also a God of judgment to those who are guilty. So the, the guilty are not going to go past God at all. Uh, he knows Nineveh. Nineveh has a deep root of hatred. Uh, we've seen how Israel had one brother but has several relatives and relations and several, um, uh, you know, the nations around them. They all hated Israel. They hated God's people, in, and in turn they hated God and anything to do with him. And so God chose his judgment. Uh, back at the time, it, it was Old Testament times. God dealt differently uh, in those times. In this day and age, he does not act with swift judgment. Uh, he's patient and he allows opportunity for even people who say that they're his enemies uh, for them to repent and come to him. And when, pe when people repent and come to the Lord, he is gracious and he forgives. So this is a, a brief outline and overview of uh, the book of Nahum. Uh, now I'm going to... Uh, write some uh, websites where these things can be uh, found. So there's two different websites um, that I'm sure most of you are familiar with. So BibleCenter.org and stempublishing.com. Um, they're full of rich resources. Uh, you know, you, you can just lose yourselves in those websites, uh, download to your heart's content, uh, read to your heart's content on any device you prefer. So they're, again, they're full of rich resources, very, very helpful, uh, highly recommended. And highly recommended uh, to read such a book uh, like Mayhem. Uh, so basically with pretty much any book, uh, who, what, where, when, why, why is basically the purpose of, um, you know, why the book is written? Uh, what does the name of the person mean? Uh, what's the message about? Where is Christ in the book? And where? what are some references in the New Testament? So that's all I have. Um, and I trust that that'll uh, whet your appetites to uh, read the book in more detail. So just a couple of reminders of Jonah in, uh, in Nahum. Um, chapter 1, verse 3, Jehovah is slow to anger. Um, now, 
It's when I was reading through this, that just reminded me of, of what happened in the story of Jonah, the, that God was slow to anger. Um, he didn't just destroy the city when they repented. He, he relented of his destruction upon the city. Second reminder is in, still in chapter 1, verse 9. Um, what do you imagine against Jehovah? He will make a full end. Trouble shall not rise up the second time. So in Jonah's time, there was trouble that rose up. And this time, you've had your chance. Um, trouble won't rise up again. So that second time just reminded me of uh, Jonah being the first time. Um, and Phil quoted the last verse of uh, the chapter of, of the book. There is no healing of thy breach. Um, to, to me, this sounds like the prophet Nahum is preaching a different message to Jonah. Jonah said, repent. You know, um, God will destroy this city in 40 days if you don't change your wicked ways, um, basically. And they did change their wicked ways and God spared them. But here it's like, that's it. Um, there's no healing for your breach. And if you remember that um, Assyria had just taken Israel, totally um, destroyed Israel, taken them back, and they're basically scattered, so the northern kingdom. So um, Sennacherib was the king. He had just taken um, Hoshea as the last king of Israel and um, destroyed the place, and now he wants Judah. And... Um, Maybe in your own time you can read when his, his uh, servant, Rabshakeh, comes at Hezekiah's time and says, hey, I'm going to destroy you like I did all these other cities and I'm going to take you. And then Hezekiah um, really sought the Lord's help and Assyria um, was defeated. Now, that's around this time, I think, when Nahum's uh, writing. and the destruction of or the judgment of God comes on uh, Nineveh because of their action against Judah. 